Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Catch Up, the podcast about contemporary hip-hop that discusses where it's been, where it's going, and where it is. I'm Jordan Suwami. And I'm James Rathbone. And this week, we're talking about XSX Tension and Jimmy Wapo's murders last week, Nazir, and the Carter's new album, Everything is Love. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we get into that, I just want to talk about some things that happened last week. It was a uh, North by Northeast here in Toronto, and it was a very busy week for the both of us. Yeah, uh, we DJed some events. I moderated some panels. We we're, pr- we're we, back on a stole the soul. Shout we, out to everyone involved in that. It's yes, just such a, a pop up pop up radio station here in Toronto. Um, and we hosted a film screening for the upcoming film "Sorry to Bother You," directed by Boots Riley. Yeah, who's perhaps best known as the frontman of the 90s and 2000s rap group, The Coup. Um, and then we spent some time with him and yeah. we, I interviewed him. And the, first of all, the film is like absolutely batshit insane in the yeah. best way possible. And you should go see it when it's released. I yeah. think it's coming out in the U.S. on July 6th and in Canada on July 13th. Mm-hmm. Um, and Boots in general is just like a really interesting guy. Super, totally interesting. Super friendly and uh, just very verbose like he, if you ask him a question he'll talk to you for like yeah. 15 minutes about it <laughs> like, he also just has this kind of like w- like feeling about him that he's like seen a lot in his life and he's like very aware of things hmm. uh that like it's like kind of like he i don't know there's like an interesting depth to his presence i felt uh-huh and and after our screening uh well he, he did a q a which is amazing and then Afterwards, he went to North North Northeast to introduce uh, Big Frida, per, uh, to introduce Big Frida's performance. And uh, a Boosie Fade member and friend of the Boosie Fade fam, Drew, uh, who's a, f- a very great photographer, said that he was like, he was like, oh, I think my friends just did uh, a screening with you. And mm. he was like, he was like, oh yeah, cool guys, they're cool guys. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's, wow, that's great. <laughs> Co-signed by Boots Riley. Yeah. Um, all right. That's uh. Also, I feel feel like the need we should mention that uh, Boosie Fade Twenty Five is is yes. uh, in a week. Yeah, and that is the day that the it's twenty four hours after Scorpion drops. Yeah. So if you're in Toronto, come to Boosie Fade Twenty Five. You have twenty hours or so to learn all of the lyrics to the biggest <laughs> bangers on the album, yeah. and I guarantee you, we're going to play all of them. Yeah, it's. I, I I mean, there's been a f- some Boosie Fade um, hiatuses of of a few months. And uh, there's been, I can remember at least the one in early uh, 2017 that was like the More Life, Culture, and Future records came out in Uh between them. And yet I feel like there's even more music in between these last, like between the 24th one and the, at the end of May and this one. There's just so much music, new music for us to play. It's, it's crazy. It's the gold, it's the great Kanye gold rush yeah. and the Carters yeah, and, and we Drake. have Drake. Yeah. Um, and plus like Tierra Whack and like yeah, Rico yeah. Nasty dropped a new project. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, that's it. We're going to get into the episode now. Let's do it. Okay, so this week was a really tough week for hip hop. Yeah. Because um, two young rappers were murdered. Uh, on the same day. On the same day. Uh, first was uh, the rapper from Pittsburgh, Jimmy Wapo, mm-hmm. who I think both of us are big fans of. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was looking after, after, he's a rapper from Pittsburgh, uh, kind of like a gangster rapper, trap rapper, mm-hmm. who is really. 
I thought like a really fun and funny rapper. Mm-hmm. Like he had really punchy bars, and I don't know. He he had a really, a really like evocative way of like painting a picture in a sentence that almost always had a line that would make you smile. Yeah. He was kind of almost like I, he, in some sense, uh, at least if not like in, in totally in sound, like he wasn't like a throwback rapper, but in spirit, he's kind of a throwback to like a '90s gangster rapper, as opposed to like a, you know, uh, 2018 tight pants like singing kind of rapper. Mm-hmm. He was like a, had like a you know funny punchlines and kind of like this like uh, jokey gangster like swag to him. Uh, yeah, we, and, and he, yeah, he was just, he's someone who really, uh, his sort of the tragedy was he'd never, he'd never really gotten to the point of having the recognition he might've otherwise gotten, uh, the career, the success that I think was probably around the corner because after he died, it was, it came out that he was getting signed to Taylor Gang, mm-hmm. who, uh, which was Khalifa's label, who were actually low key, one of the best artist run labels there is like a lot yeah. of the, the people on it see kind of pretty outside success. Ty Dolla Sign, Juicy J's revival came through his signing to Taylor Gang. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, th- you know, I think that they actually probably could have handled him like pretty well, and he could have, you know, uh, had greater uh, saturation. Also, Murder Beat said that they were like going to collaborate on something. Twenty One Savage uh-huh. posted that they were looking to collaborate. So like. Yeah, it's a shame because it felt like his star. It felt like his star was on the rise, yes. and it was like about to. It's like about to happen. Yeah, and I feel like I mean, in a lot, of, so in some senses, he reminded me of Gucci Mane. I mean, like yeah. a lot of rappers do, but he had, he had just Gucci's like wit. I would say yeah. in a lot of ways, and street um, bona fides, as street well. bona fides. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, and I think I think he's the kind of rapper that I feel like once more people heard him, they would be into him, mm-hmm. just because he. Like honestly, I just keep coming back to the humor of his lyrics. Like yeah. they were just like, just like it was like a, it's like stone faced humor. Yeah, and I think that a lot of people would have got a kick out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so R.I.P. Jimmy Wapo. Yeah, it's real sad. Um, yeah. Another rapper who died on that day is the rapper from Florida, XXX Tentacion, um, who is one of the most controversial rappers of the last 15, 20... My opinion, the most controversial rapper of all time. You know, yeah. I mean, I I really can't think of anyone who who would be like Eminem was very controversial, or like like in the sense of like being on the news or like his like stuff of the source. But if uh, you know, if Eminem had died in two thousand one, there wouldn't have been legions of people like dancing on his grave, more or less, which was what happened with Extasion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, Eminem like he has has had his own controversy, but he definitely. Like, I don't think that even Eminem, who had some of the most fanatic fans of all time, he didn't have the op- he did, uh, the people that disliked him did not dislike him to the point that people disliked Extasion, Exits, however you say his name. I say XXX Tentacion, and I don't know if that's correct. Yeah. Anyway, but uh, he, like. You know, so if you're, if you're sort of unfamiliar with him or if you've seen like what the controversy was, he he's someone who, yeah, was like a super abusive, like in a very, very ugly way, very young rapper who had sort of this like singy emo style. Well, he he kind of broke out, I guess it was last year That's true. with a song called Look At Me, yes, which is the yeah. first song of the 
the SoundCloud generation to really, I think, break through yes, and yeah, cause yeah, yeah. A, a major impact outside of the sort of it sometimes can be insular SoundCloud world of like stardom. Yeah. And it had this kind of like really distorted sound. Mm-hmm. It was, so I think the song is like a minute and 40 something seconds, super short. Yeah. And has a really memorable cadence and flow. Yeah. And soon after that, I think what also helped like garner him all his attention is that Drake really, there was, we started hearing, uh, the song KMT mm. was being played like in clubs. Mm-hmm. And so people, and then XXX Tetensian fans were accusing Drake of stealing his flow because that's how new and fresh and all this stuff it sounded. Yeah. Simultaneously, like maybe a little bit after he started getting this attention, it came out that he had recently been arrested um, for allegedly assaulting like on numerous occasions, his pregnant girlfriend. Yeah, in very violent ways. Very, extremely violent ways. Very disturbing. Yeah. And um, instead of like hampering his career, if anything, this accelerated it. Yeah. And it seemed like there were some people who... It's like the Jordan Peterson men's rights activist fans who were like super, who were like just bought in wholesale into this. Uh, Like... Sort of like, I mean, rap has had a misogyny problem since it started or near to where it started. Uh, And it was and it's always been like a sort of touchy issue in some respects. Mm -hmm. But I don't remember any rapper ever just wholesale like endorsing it and riding that wave and basically catering to those crowds. I mean, those those types of fans. Yeah. And I remember super early on uh, the right wing uh, political commentator Milo Yiannopoulos yeah. was visiting Exodus in jail, yeah. and X was like was courting his his favor and mm-hmm. the attention. So, I mean, right away it was just like kind of had like really gross vibes to his whole his whole rise, and mm-hmm. um, so that he was extremely like, like a lightning bolt. There were people like he was really emblematic of an issue in music in general, but especially in hip hop. Uh, of just like artists who have serious issues with the law and with women mm-hmm. and who don't seem to be stopped by these issues from succeeding in their careers. Yeah. And um, so as, as time progressed, he, he showed no remorse. Yeah. The for, opposite. He showed the, the opposite. And he um, eventually at some point re- released uh a few he released a few projects, but the biggest one was uh, Question Mark, yeah. which came out this year. This year, like February, or something? February, and debuted at number one. Uh, yeah, this is the number one album, and had a top ten single, "Sad," mm-hmm. from it. And I think that a lot of the the music that he released after "Look at Me," mm-hmm. most of it wasn't in the vein of "Look at Me," which no. is like a very aggressive, like you know, trap rap kind of sound. And most of it was a more like sensitive, like sing songy, acoustic guitar occasionally, yeah, like kind of music. Emo. It was like this sort of satanic emo kind of thing, almost like satanic emo. That's yeah. incredible. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. And so he had a huge teen fan base because a lot of his music is about being like lost and searching for meaning and dealing with depression yeah. and like these kind of things. And I think that it spoke to a lot of. It speaks to a lot of teenagers. Yeah, uh, I was. I recently for North Northeast, I moderated a panel that essentially was about art versus the artist. And one of the panelists, this great, amazing journalist from Toronto named uh, Melissa, she was talking about her little brother who's fourteen, mm-hmm. and she's like, he loves X, like he loves him. This is his favorite artist. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about how the issues of his career, which is like his 
horrific domestic violence mm-hmm. and his lack of remorse for it and how that never really didn't seem to seriously affect his his career. Mm-hmm. Those issues are so divorced from a 14-year-old. Yeah. So it didn't really matter to him that X was accused of all these things. Mm-hmm. It's I think for she didn't say this but this is sort of what I what I take away from this is that for a 14-year-old, you're so divorced from the reality of these actions mm-hmm. that it's just like another legal issue that a rapper you like has. You yeah. just like you feel so disconnected from it. So I think that's why it doesn't really affect his fans when you're like, this guy did this thing. He's like, well, you know, they're like, uh, the, he hasn't been convicted in the court of law and all this. Yeah, stuff. Yeah. It's just, it just feels like it's just not something they have to reckon with because they, you know, they're not old enough to really think about those things. Yeah, it seems like they don't. I mean, they don't. I mean, how many 14 year olds when we were growing up, like were familiar with like issues of intersectionality or feminism or these sort of more serious things? I mean, it's uh, the other thing is that, frankly, uh, one of the things I think about with artists like Extension or Six Nine or other like these like new controversial rappers is that like. It almost harkens back to like what rap was in in like the early '90s when it was something that upset the establishment, it upset older people, and like teens like got off on that. Basically, they were like, there was something about oppositional about it being like, we get this and you don't, and like the just the the sort of provocativeness of liking it as a statement was like. I think a part of the appeal, like mm. the excitement of the, is the, in the controversy because they don't think about the actual person or victim behind the actions. Mm-hmm. That that on it's sometimes it seems like that to me because it's like if you were actually took a, if your imagination or if your life experience could actually put you into understanding like the consequences of this artist's actions, it would be very it would be like you have to be kind of like a psychopath to be like yeah this is like one of my favorite parts about him mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and his, I mean, it, this, with X being, like, such a lightning rod for controversy and debate, because I feel like he, like he's so emblematic of so many things that are going on in the music industry, and it's mm-hmm. just, like, happening, and the discussions that are happening w- amongst music fans about how mm-hmm. to, like, how to ethically consume the cult, this culture, mm-hmm. and how to punish people that don't seem to be punished by the law or show any remorse. I think he was, by the way, as a footnote, I think he was going to get punished like really hard by the law if he had survived to that point because it was a real, the case against him was like very strong. He had witnessed tampering charges. Mm -hmm, Like mm -hmm. it was like, I I thought he was going to go away for a long time. Yeah. I mean, I'm not so convinced just because of, you know, the power of money and his legal team, I'm sure. You know, he signed a really big record deal with Capitol Records at some point. And I mean, all this to say, his 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 the aftermath of I mean, he was he was killed in a robbery while shopping for uh, a motorcycle. And the, the immediate aftermath is ca- is caught on camera mm. and you see him and very recognizably him because he has distinctive hair mm. and he's just slumped in the driver's seat of a car and I saw somebody had posted in the Boosie Fade group, which is the, if you somehow don't know, is the <laughs> hip-hop Facebook group that we run, that James and I run. Um, and somebody posted about it, and I just went to Twitter, and I searched his name. And this video came up, and honestly, it really disturbed me. Like, it, it really changed the tone of my whole day. And it was like, and by no means am I an XXS Tentacion fan. Um, somebody said this on Twitter, and I think it's really good interesting statement is that it's not like x was somebody like 
um, like R. Kelly or let's say like Johnny Depp, somebody who you've you've had an entire like lifetime of like watching their body of work, mm-hmm. and then you find out that they're yeah, like. like- a monster. A monster. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but it's it's still, despite like not actively being not being a fan of his, it still was very jarring and honestly sad to see him slumped in his car like a murder victim. Because that's know? what he was. It's like it's fucking. It's like it's so crazy to me that like this is like an, a, a normal occurrence in America that someone would just get ra- seemingly randomly robbed and shot in their car. Just in like, broad daylight. In broad daylight. Yeah. Um, anyway, it really kicked off a huge debate, like everything yeah. does Inter- with him. Internet and civil war, basically. It really was. And, I mean, feelings are so inflamed on this issue. Mm-hmm. And I think that the, the main thing that I, like, I, I've had a few days to think about, and I think my main takeaway is that, because I know people who are fans of his, mm-hmm. like friends of mine, mm-hmm. who I've talked to about this, about and about him in general, and... Uh, people who really like his music and you know I like I on one hand I'm like okay I sort of I sort of see where you're coming from but it's like on the other hand it's like you know have you given any of the attention and care that you're giving for 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 him now have you given any of that thought to the victim you know have you have you like you know like is, is that just something that like because she doesn't make music is not a part of your life. And like, and even if, if that is the case, don't you think that maybe it behooves you to not necessarily use this as your time to talk about yeah. his music and like what that is, you know? But on the other hand, I found like the people who are like, you know, essentially, yeah, dancing on his grave, like f- being like, fuck him. Like no one is allowed to like mourn an artist they don't like. At least, at the very least, a bit insensitive. Even if you think justifiably that he's a monster, speaking Ill, there's something about speaking ill of the dead. It's like I don't know. It just is sort of this like classically uh, kind of cruel thing to me. Even though he obviously, I don't think that he deserved a whole lot in the, in life, but he's dead now, and so. Uh, even if you don't understand how anyone could possibly like his his work or how they could possibly get past his actions, when someone gets when like someone especially like a twenty year old gets murdered, even if he's like a sociopath and someone who's left a, a life of destruction behind him, I don't know. Just being glad someone is dead is just rubs me the wrong way. Hmm. I mean, t- in summation, to like end this up, you know, I think that. Even like you and I have like kind of differing views on this thing, and I think a lot of people have differing views on it. And to quote like my friend Huda said this on Twitter, it's like we don't all have to have the same reactions to abusers. Yeah, and I think that's it's a it's a messy, tragic thing, and and that's well, that that kind of thing is never simple. Moving on. Uh, this week, or last week, actually, Nas dropped his latest album, which is entirely produced by Kanye West, called Nazir. Mm-hmm. Um, James, what did you think of this album? Well, let me just uh, start off by saying that Nas, uh, so if, if, if you're a recent hip-hop fan, or even if you're an old hip-hop fan and you kind of haven't thought about Nas a lot in the last uh, few years, which is justifiable because he's, you know, 25 years into his career and... Uh, you know, someone who was a little bit less relevant than he once it was. He was at one point considered kind of the 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 
maybe the best rapper alive. Um, he came out with a, a classic album that is sort of one of the standards of hip hop in Elmatic. And ever after, ever since Elmatic came out, he's kind of been chasing the ghost of that first record because it was short. Uh, the beats were perfect, and it, in my opinion, it was a landmark album that start that was the end of the old school of end of old school rap. Like new school rap, rap changed the way rappers changed the way rappers sounded changed after in 1994 with Elmatic, and so ever since then, there's been he's released records that have kind of yeah been in the shadow of Elmatic, and a lot of that has had to do with his beat selection. And for years, there's been rumors that he should he like was gonna release a record done entirely by DJ Premier or with Large Professor, one of the the like classic golden era '90s rappers. I mean, sorry, producers who uh, like you know gave him that his original sound, who's who still were kind of making great beats into the 2000s, and uh, who theoretically could bring out the best of Nas, and you would get this like cohesive like dream project. And so there was, I think there was some hope in, for old Nas fans that when Nasir came out and it was produced just by one producer, Kanye, the like last master of the soul sample, basically, that we would get that storied album. And unfortunately, we didn't. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I personally like the album. Yeah, I, I will say that I am like I'm a pretty big Nas fan, and I have been for maybe not as long as a lot of like diehard Nas fans, but at least like ten years or so. And for me, I mean, I've like throughout the years, I've I've liked Nas albums. Like, me too. I know? mean, I think he he became underrated at some point. Uh-huh. Like, I liked his last album, Life Is Good. Like, I think that album's way better than this album. Uh huh. And I think that this album, I think this is a pretty solid album from Nas. And I think that the production does him like the kind of ser- a service that he needed over the years desperately. And he only occasionally has gotten. Um, first of all, it's like it's produced by Kanye, like entirely by Kanye West, but it also has a lot of other people on it. So there's like Casimir Cat, uh, Mike Dean, Plain Pat's involved, um, Benny Blanco. So. There's like it's kind of like an all-star team of of producers working together on this record. And yeah, I think that the album has like he like I will say right off the bat, like Nas says some truly ridiculous things oh my on this God. album. Yes, absolutely. Uh, like I think in in his history, like he does have a, a strong bit of hotepery. Yeah. Um, and if you don't know what that is, that will absolutely be in the show notes. But, <laughs> but it's like it's uh to put it short, it's the kind of guy. It's like a kind of conspiracy theorist kind of, yeah. you know, um, extra woke, extra, yeah, too woke. Somebody too woke. who's so woke that you're like, you need to take a nap, my yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean, like, I'll just go over a few of the lines that Nas says that are really like <laughs> out of control. <laughs> There's one where he says that Fox News is started by a black man. Uh, he repeats a, a conspiracy theory that J. Edgar Hoover maybe was black. Is that? Uh, He also comes out as an anti-vaxer potentially. I know that's so embarrassing, Um, hilarious. Yeah, and and he, I mean, he he has a yeah he he has like there's many problems with this some of the stuff that he says on this album, Mm -hmm. Um, but otherwise, like I really think that Nas, like I was talking to somebody, uh, talking to a friend of mine about this, and she said. She, and I was mentioning, like, he has some really ridiculous lines on this album. She's like, yeah, but it's like, Nas, it's like the flow just makes you want to listen to him. And, yeah. like, that is one of the undeniable undeniable truths about him is that it's like his flow is 
it's just so musical and so but like i uh that here's my thing is that nas doesn't need like this the production is so maximalist kanye it's so to be like bloated there's like way too much going on it it doesn't it isn't it almost doesn't feel like it's like taking into consideration his voice because his voice i think he has the best voice and flow uh, in hip hop history, I mean, there's a reason why he's like become, now like selling Lincolns uh, on on TV. Like he he's just his voice is is, is unique and and like one of like hip hop's like great gifts. Uh, and I think he doesn't need like a really like like these like really crazy beats to shine. Like I think he needs like simple instrumentals that like will allow him to just like his voice put his voice at the forefront and that's one of my problems with this this record it just doesn't his voice doesn't stand out in the way that it kind of should and also just that like like Nas's best modes are kind of like him looking back on his life the more like personal kind of touches uh his like sort of interpersonal relationship stuff him being a little bit more like sort of like spiritual philosophical as opposed to this like him being this sort of weird conspiracy theorist political stuff that that he's like pretty much the whole record because it just sounds like someone like a you know stone teenagers kind of like conspiracy theories mm-hmm. um yeah, so it just it just doesn't give me what I want out of Nas. Yeah, I do think that a lot of the the personal stuff is kind of like inter interspliced throughout the conspiracy theories, and it's a it's a mixture of both. and he, And he does kind of have this uh, wizened, like seen it all kind of commentary on like what on his perspective. And I feel like for somebody who doesn't uh, doesn't really speak much to the media, it's it's it was interesting to hear so like the way that he views the world now mm-hmm. um and like you know he's he's always kind of had a, a political bent to him and i think on this album like he has a song that's like a the like slick rick sample mm-hmm. cop shot the kid which i mean like yeah it's probably for me it's one of the better songs on the record mm-hmm. and on the song like he really kind of i don't know he paints he paints a pretty vivid picture of of just his take on like what on just the police brutality on cotton camera that we've seen for the last few years. But I mean, like uh, one of the things that, I mean, he, yeah, he does make a lot of blunders on this album. And one of them is, is there's a song where he like, like he has a, a few bars where he is like describes like rough sex, like his, yeah. his, his proclivity, proclivity for rough sex. And honestly, Nas, this is not the time for that. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, he, um, he, and that's for, for those of you that don't know, it's because, very recently, maybe a few months ago, Nas's ex-wife, Khalees, uh, did an interview and talked about how she al- alleged abuse during the course of their, their marriage. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, this is another, this is a big omission from the album. Like, he doesn't really, he does not reference it. No. And he like, he has some oblique references to it where he, he talks about, like, not responding or putting weight in, like, blog comments or, like, or the internet. Yeah. Uh, but it's like, there's no direct, like... He doesn't refute it. He doesn't say he doesn't comment on it. He doesn't say anything about it. Mm-hmm. And it feels like, I mean, on on the on one hand, like I would fear what he would say in response. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but on the other hand, it's it's also just like to put out an album album and not reference it at all seems like, especially when it's not. It's not like his like mode is just making party songs or something like that. He like has been. Ha- he does have like really great personal tracks from the past uh in his catalog so it's it's just 
it's uh, it's it kind of hangs over the 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 record in my opinion as well. Mm-hmm. And this is the so this this album um, is the fourth in the series of seems like five albums from Good Music, seven yeah. songs. Um, next week, the final album comes out. It's Tiana Taylor. Uh, I mean, ultimately, I think. I mean, we can do like a, a proper uh, review and kind of analysis of how this this whole thing went down, the whole rollout mm-hmm. at, after the Tiana Taylor album comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, I will say, like, even though a lot of these albums have been like really middling, like mm-hmm. really so-so, um, I have enjoyed the process, the process, and the run. Yeah, and I kind of want Kanye to keep going. Like, give us. The Jeff Sessions album that we know you have in the can, Kanye. Well, like, I mean, another thing, that nice thing about the Nazir album is 070 Shake, like, killing it yet again and just making me so um, hopeful that we're going to get a proper good music release from her in the not-so-distant future because her appearance on the intro track is, like, another, like, standout part of, of, like, you know, she's this new new rapper uh, appearing on these, like, very established hip-hop legends records and she kind of steals the show yet again mm-hmm. so hopefully that's like my fingers crossed silver lining yeah of the whole process yeah i guess we'll just wait and see okay and then a mere 24 maybe a little longer than maybe 36 hours after nazir dropped nas dropped his his newest yeah. album uh <laughs> it had its con- the conversation was swallowed up by a new release from two up-and-coming new artists that you may have heard of. Uh, one goes by the name of Jay-Z. The other goes by the name of Beyonce. Uh, together they are the Carters, and they released a long-rumored album called Everything is Love um, on Saturday afternoon, and the internet immediately lost its shit. Yeah. In fact, it went ape shit, <laughs> which is also the name of the lead single, which they released well an incredible video for, which is shot in the Louvre. Um and yeah, the album is nine songs. Yeah, and it's just a tight like summer pop rap record, basically, because it's like it's actually kind of like the Beyonce rap record, more or less. Beyonce raps on a bunch of the songs, mm-hmm. and the the Very songs well. the song structure is like kind of like rap songs, as opposed to like every Beyonce's record before has always had at least like one torch song ballad. This is the first one that doesn't. Mm. Um, and uh, for me, like I. I felt like this, like I immediately liked it because it, you know, it's like a really pretty accessible record and also felt like this was like the gift I'd been sort of praying for in terms of having like just a stack of Beyonce songs I'll be able to DJ for like the rest of my career easily into the, the other music I I will play. Like th- these songs are, ha- are just like, will go like, you know, like Beyonce has had some songs like Formation that have been mm-hmm. like, songs I could like play at Boozy Fade but this record has like multiple songs that will be will just go off in that setting for for years and I'm like very grateful for that I think this is the first the first time it's been the first time in a really long time that I feel like Jay-Z has like a good banger yeah um and like Ape Shit is amazing yeah and I think also the fact they shot in the Louvre and then in the song there's all these there there's these references to turning down the Super Bowl because mm-hmm. of Colin Kaepernick and tell the Grammys we're done with that over that over eight shit you yeah. know talking about these like big institutions that Jay-Z is brushed Jay-Z and Beyonce have like brushed up against mm-hmm. and been uh like slighted by in yeah. some way 
in some ways and just like talking about how he's like tell the nfl we're in stadiums too yeah like yeah. we don't i don't need you we don't need you we are just as big as you mm-hmm. and we're doing it without you yeah and i think that like wrapping the, like having those lines while you know a video shot in the louvre was just something that i was like very into it was like a show of power mm-hmm. and i think just even like if you like the the album starts with a song called summer um which is like a really fun like love yeah. song and then it, it goes on this like three song run which is ape shit boss and nice mm-hmm. and like for me for my money this year like i don't think you're gonna find a better three song run like on a sequence in an album and just like and th- I think they're just also really well sequenced because like, ape shit is like you know just a kind of like energy going gets your energy going. It's kind of like a chest thumping, yeah, like like party song. Yeah, Migos, Migos influenced and uh, written co-written by. Yeah. And then Boss is more of a like laid back, like a laid back triumphant song, mm-hmm. and a lot a little more analytical. Yeah. It talks about you know what it means to to kind of be. What it essentially what it means to be someone at a position of Jay Z and Beyonce, mm-hmm. and I think that I think it's in Boss. This is like the song where um, Jay Z has these lines that are like kind of like jabs at Drake, yeah, where he uh, references the invoice thing, yeah, uh, the Pusha T invoice, and essentially says, call essentially calls lightly calls Drake out for for not wanting to work with him, uh, titles, not wanting to work with title. Um, because he he thinks that that would put him underneath Jay Z, which it would, mm-hmm, it and would. trying to set his own deal up, thinking with, that puts him on a level of Jay Z, which it doesn't, it, yeah, according to Hove, yeah, and um, also making the good the the um, well, I mean, I'm not sure if this is totally true in Jay Z's case because I don't know how young Chris is doing right now or the Beanie Siegel has gone to jail for you know tax problems but calling Drake out for like the fact that people on OVO aren't thriving you know Mm -hmm. uh, that like you know that basically it's a pyramid (laughs) like he doesn't say this but essentially OVO is like a pyramid and Drake's at the top and uh, you know parties at the bottom yeah and he's he's saying uh, like for him, you measure success by how many people around you yeah. are as successful as you. Or yes. Successful. Yeah. Um, f- one thing I will say is that this does come off a bit disingenuous because yeah. I don't think that, like, the deal that Drake signed with with Apple is worth, like, 20 or $30 million. And I don't yeah. think Tidal was going to give Drake 20 or $30 million. Yeah. So I think just off the off that alone, I'm like, it doesn't all the way cohere. Yeah. I still think it's, like, a funny and well, interesting jab, though, because also, it's, like... Yeah, like like Drake and Jay Z have had like kind of a hilarious beef for like years, like and it's the softest beef. nine years since ever since the song they had together on the Blueprint Three. Yeah, where Jay Z was cautioning Drake about getting into beefs and yeah. just like trying to playing like the wise like older cousin role yeah, where he's yeah. like, it's a lot of things are gonna come your way in this industry. Yeah, you just gotta you know do the right thing. Don't let people bait you into getting in all these in all yeah. this trouble, and then. It's, it seems like after that, like when Drake started to ascend, yeah. they just started taking these jabs at each other. Yeah, and they're like they are like, I think the lowest weight like jabs ever exchanged in rap. Like I I don't think it's ever like Drake said that like Jay Z talks about art too much, and didn't Jay Z say like Drake plays lacrosse or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Was, yeah, it was like really. It's just like 
you know, the the opposite of Pusha T and Drake's like beef <laughs> at, at the recent level is like it's like you should work with me. <laughs> like it's like you know I, I love I think the argue by is ghost quite frankly yeah exactly yeah <laughs> yeah it's so so any like soft funny beef like that is just you know it's like entertaining because it's 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 there's no chance of any casualties in this <laughs> it's the lowest stakes it yeah, feels like it's so good um it feels almost good natured yeah like. exactly um and then that song is followed up by nice which is like I think maybe my favorite song on the record mm. and it's just a really i mean it's uh, you know jay-z 444 is like a, an excellent album mm-hmm. but hearing jay-z rap the way that he raps on nice mm-hmm. for me i'm like oh this is like the cool guy jay-z this is like sage jay-z combined with like cool guy jay-z mm-hmm. in a contemporary format that sounds of them like sounds like it fits in this moment and doesn't sound like an old guy trying to rap like the young people, mm-hmm. you know. Which which for me is like, it's been a I haven't felt that about Jay Z in at least Ten, half a decade, maybe longer. For me, it's like uh, fifteen years. Yeah, almost. It's, it's been a while and 12, 13 years. Something it's like, like a it's a fun flow, which is kind of like a take off of a like a Migos esque flow, like a mm-hmm. more contemporary flow. And it's just, it's I don't know. It just feels like really, really. It's like Jay-Z sounding like a current rapper, but in a vital way. It also features really entertaining Beyonce verse, which she references, uh, in which she references not having Lemonade on Spotify mm-hmm. and essentially says, like, do you think I give a shit about this? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Which I just love that. Yeah, yeah. And then also interpolates like a half-baked reference, which yeah, I'm yeah. sure Neil Brennan is thrilled about, who directed like directed one of the videos for during the 444 run for Jay-Z, which is like, you know, the if you've seen the movie, it's the the fuck you scene that uh, Guillermo Diaz, I believe his name is, uh, does when he's quitting his job. Yeah, so it's like fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You're cool. Fuck you. I, I like uh, the next song a lot too. Seven one three, which uh, interpolates uh, Dr. Dre's um, "Still Dre," which Jay Z wrote. Mm-hmm. If you don't know, a nice little uh, bit of trivia. Uh, so like you know like just. It's kind of just like a like a really enjoyable callback for the fact that they probably didn't even have to pay any like royalties on that uh, because Drake, I mean, sorry, Jay Z, that was a <laughs> that was a Freudian slip right there. Uh, the Jay Z wrote them. Uh, anyway, yeah, that uh, that that like really just like tickled me as well. It's just like like this this record is um, I don't know this is like. There's a mode that Beyonce, I think, has and Jay Z have like in in their collaborations have touched a couple times with um, Liftoff, and uh, actually, I guess Jay Z's not on this record, but it's a, it's kind of a not not quite the same tempo, but similar sort of fun spirit of Beyonce with Party, which is a, a song from Sasha Fierce, I think, produced by Kanye and and Andre 3000, and uh, it's it's just like like uh, it's not like Again, like this, it's interesting that this record was put together for this like stadium tour that they're doing, mm-hmm. um, because it it doesn't have these like almost like over ambitious like pop songs in a way. It's like them like getting into like sort of this like really fun kind of relevant uh, to sort of contemporary music pocket, and not trying to do uh, a kind of like big like pop cro- like huge 
single mm-hmm. at any point on this record. It's this like nice like kind of run that they're gonna. You can see them putting into their their tour amongst all their other hits mm-hmm. to kind of and keep the energy going, keeping it current. So yeah, it's a really enjoyable product from two, you know, masters of their form of of like you know hip hop and and uh, R and B and it's just you know. Thank you. And the and the album completes a kind of like trilogy. Yes. Of uh, if you go from like Lemonade to 444, which is the response to Lemonade, mm-hmm. to this, which is like essentially the, the, re, a, the, the we are reunited and feel so good. Yeah. The conclusion, uh, the little like bow, the happy ending, mm-hmm. and look how strong we are. Yeah, and I think also like even like in seven one three, like Jay Z talks about when he first met Beyonce. Yeah. At the VMAs and how he like. He tried to hit on her, but she had a man, so she shut it down. And then he, like, and just kind of, like, talks about the whole, like, you know, references, like, his feelings throughout the the rise of the relationship. And this is, like, a huge, if you think about, like, even the last, like, from essentially, like, Lemonade on, um, it's, like, a, a real marked change from, like, how they started the relationship. Because I, I distinctly remember Beyonce being on 60 Minutes. This must have been when I was in university, so this could have been, like, 2012, 2011. And it was a time where, like, she and Jay Z just did not talk about their relationship oh, at all. Yeah, yeah. And I yeah. remember the interviewer, who I don't, I don't remember who it was, but they asked her about Jay Z, and she just kind of smiled and looked from side to side and was kind of like, ha, ha, ha. Um, like, what? Like, yeah. she was just, she essentially was so deeply uncomfortable with the question. It was just like, this is not something I'm going to talk to you about. Yeah. To, I'm- you know talking a bit more about their relationship like you know the drunken love era you get the drunken love yeah then you get the issues in their relationship and you get lemonade which is an entire album about their their relationship 444 Jay-Z's response to it mm-hmm. like talking about his personal issues and how he almost like ruined his marriage yeah and then this which is like kind of painting a picture of like we're a happy family we have our issues we have our flaws we have we've we like you know, we've made mistakes. Mostly Jay-Z has made mistakes. <laughs> yeah. um, but we're we're still together. We're stronger for it. Mm-hmm. And we have this family and this legacy that we've created. Yeah. And our children are going to inherit it. Yeah. And it is like something that has never been done before. Like a relationship like this. Like two of the biggest artists of all time. Yeah. I was thinking, it's funny you were talking about that because I was thinking about how, back in 2005 when they were like, first like seeming like, I mean, they were they got together before that, obviously. But in 2005, they really seemed to be like really serious. What year did they? Do you remember what year they got married? Was um, it 2006 or something like that? I don't know. It was somewhere around that that time period, and it was all kind of private. Um, but I just remember how how like Jay Z was contro- so controlling of their image. That was the word on the internet was that Jay Z was super controlling of like you know of the their image of their relationship. They're married in two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. So, but even in sort of to them dating like seriously in like the the, the mid aughts, Jay Z. I remember this like everybody just kind of talking about how um, Jay Z controlled the press on them like so tightly and with in a way that was just like uh you know you could barely ever see, even see paparazzi photos of the two of them together even mm-hmm. um ultimately i for me this is like one of the most enjoyable albums of the year that i've listened to i find it really fun i find it very motivational like um mm. jay-z has a line where he talks about he's like 
essentially is like fear. Why would I fear anything? I do everything well. And I'm just like, I just want to strive to be like that. (laughs) Like that is like my goal. Like I just want to be like that. It's like, and there's like, there's just a lot of little moments like that where I'm, where, uh, you know, Jay-Z and Beyonce are talking about their careers and it just motivates me to want to be better, you Mm. know? So thanks, J and B. B. <laughs> Goals. <laughs> Goals AF, yeah. as all my favorite police officers say. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone who says AF instead of as fuck is not someone you should trust. Yeah, definitely. They're either a bot yeah, or a federal agent. Yeah, it's a, Rus- it's a Russian bot pretending to be a black person on Twitter. Yeah. Okay, we've reached that time where we recommend four songs from the artists that we've talked about. Or three songs from the arts we talked about in one song outside of this. Yeah. Um, and so this week we're going to each mention a Jimmy Wapo song, a Nas song, a song from the Carters album, and a, another song. So for me, my Jimmy Wapo song is First Day Out. Uh, the first song I heard from Jimmy Wapo is a song called Elm Street, which is a really amazing song. Mm-hmm. Um, just a, tons of energy and really fun and has funny bars in it. But for me, first day out also because it fits in the tradition of the Gucci Mane, um, you know, T Grizzly. Like when you get out of jail, when you get mm. out of jail, you drop a song, yeah, and it's yeah. called First Day Out. Um, and First Day Out is just a really fun one from Jimmy, and has a really interesting production, and is worth listening to. Mm-hmm. My Nas song is the intro. It's called Not for Radio. It's a song that features O Seven O Shake and Diddy screaming on the record. I think that initially. Um, Initially, when I heard the live stream from this this album, the Diddy parts weren't on what I listened to, or, mm-hmm. and I think this is the first song that I actually that Diddy is on, kind of doing his yelling DJ drama shtick. That I'm actually like, this song is lesser for it, <laughs> but right. I do think that Nas and 070 Shake uh, still still shine in a way that mm-hmm. that is great. Um, my song from the Carters album is is nice. Um, it's just a really fun song and you get to hear jay-z and beyonce both in their bag as the kids say mm-hmm. um and all the things i said earlier about jay-z sounding sounding really vital and young again um and my song of the week outside of this is by the artist from philadelphia tiara whack whom i'm a huge fan of very excited for her future the song is called hungry hippo um but it's a lot of fun and it has this kind of like a wry sense of humor that is through all her music and it's a minute long, so if you haven't listened to the Tierra Whack project, uh, please go to your nearest streaming site and get, or go to her Instagram even and give it a whirl because it's all there for you. Um, so for my Jimmy Wapo song is uh, "Backdoor" featuring Sunny Digital. Um, I was just like, he has a bunch of songs that are kind of like a bit of a throwback vibe, and and. Uh, I felt like Backdoor was one of the songs that made sort of showed his potential of what could happen if he got some like contemporary production and uh, just like kind of made the wide appeal that I think he could have had, <clears throat> at least for like a, an aggressive street rapper. Um, I did so uh, for the Nazir record. I did not like the record, so I'm not picking a song from it. I'm going to take a song from Nas's back catalog uh, off Stillmatic. You're the Man, which was also ASAP Yams' favorite song, R.I.P. ASAP Yams. That song is incredible, uh, featuring the sample from Sugar Man. Uh, it's just such a good song. So go listen to that instead of the new Nazir record. Um, 
off the the uh, Carter's record, I'm going to go with 713 uh, for reasons I've already explained about how I like the reference to still, uh, still Dre. And my record for the week is off the uh, Superfly soundtrack, which uh, we will probably never get to. Um, which is still like a pretty solid record, mostly uh, future and future features. My, the, my favorite song off of it is uh, Tie My Shoe featuring Young Thug. Uh, it's a, just a, like a fun, wacky song. Uh, those two um, icons doing what they do best. Ah, and there it is. Another episode of Catch Up is done. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just want to thank you all for listening. Keep sending us feedback and hitting us up. Uh, but with your takes and what you th- what you like, what you didn't like, what you would like to hear more of, yeah, we'd like to thank all of the people who've subscribed and That's rated amazing. and reviewed us. Uh, we have like I think like fifty two reviews. Yeah. So please keep rev- if you're listening to this and you haven't written a review, um, please write one. Yeah. Um, and shout. I just want to shout out to all our listeners. I want to big, give a big shout out to uh, Ariane. Mm. Ariane, one of our, our our such a gem diehard fans who honestly. Keeps me motivated. She makes me want to do better. Absolutely, and we appreciate you listening and your support. Mm -hmm. Um, We will be at if you live in Toronto, and even if you don't, if you're in the nearby area, we will be at Parts and Labor Labor next Friday night for Boosie Fade Twenty Five Quarter Century. Man, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be wild because it's the night. It's the the night after Scorpion drops, and if you if you have any possible means to be there. You should be there. It will be one for the record books. I yes. can tell already. And if you've never been to a Boosie Fade party before, I assure you it's unlike anything you've ever seen. Yes. So come hang out with us. Yeah, and get there early. Um, so thanks for listening. Next week we'll be talking about the Tiana Taylor album. Maybe ASAP Rocky testing. Maybe ASAP Rocky testing. I think it might be It might be the time. It might be the time. It might be the, it time. Might be the time. I've had I've had people hit me up about it, so maybe, maybe we'll actually do it. Yeah. Um, but you'll have to be here next week to find out. Yes. Until then, goodbye. Yeah.